This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. And I'm Maura Dooley. How have you guys been? How is February there, treating yes. you? February is almost halfway over already. <laughs> is that it? Well, it was an eventful one for me. I went to the Super Bowl last week. We did John Clayton's show live from there Monday through Friday. I stayed for the game. Didn't uh, I kind of had to watch it from the bowels of the of the stadium. I, I wasn't as important as John Clayton, but I did get to go to all the post-game activities. <laughs> and uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was oh. a really, really awesome time. Um, I But I went to a party that was outdoors and 60 degrees on Saturday and came back to uh, snow and ice in Seattle. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. Welcome home, <laughs> man. Well, mm-hmm. at least the, mm-hmm. it was worth it. I mean, your first Super Bowl and your team wins. That's, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it can't was ask for more. Pretty awesome experience. I got my uh, classic Belichick moment. Went to the press conference after the the press was so crowded in there, you could barely get in the door. <laughs> you know, he just won his sixth Super Bowl. You'd think maybe he'd be a little happy, and he walks into the room, looks at all the media, and goes, "Christ!" <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. all right, what do you guys want? Right. Lay it on me. Got to talk to you guys again. <laughs> you you are not the one. The uh, Tom Brady jersey who got arrested for trying to sneak in the locker room afterwards. That wasn't you. No, 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 no. I, I, I try no? to stay okay. professional. I wore, I wore all black. I did. I do have a little Got like it. um a Patriots okay. like bracelet that my dad gave me that I oh, I snuck that's in there. Nice, exactly. <laughs> Small token. Speaking of having a good February, Justin, uh, yours is off to a great start too. Another award. It is BSB won the best flavored whiskey in North America award from Whiskey Magazine. This is a second year in a row. So now BSB is going to London, and in March they're going to announce the world winner for flavored whiskeys, and we won that award last year as well. So this is uh, significant because uh, the World Whiskey Awards are given out by Whiskey Magazine, which is the preeminent magazine for whiskey aficionados and experts in the, in the world. And uh, never before have they given uh, the award to the same product uh, two years in a row in this category. So this is a significant thing for us, and we're very excited. Wow, that is pretty darn incredible. Are you guys celebrating in Yeah, any- well, we're making more BSB. Okay. Um, we've, <laughs> we've been seeing the numbers, and uh, the numbers are, are amazing. <clears throat> numbers we got were uh, recently is that nationwide BSB is up to being number 18 in sales uh, wow. across the country for flavored whiskey in just a year. In Washington, uh, it's the number four selling item in the in the flavored whiskey category. So it's it's a significant product, and uh, we're just honored that people like it. 2019 off to a great start, I think, here with the, with the Patriots win and then also for Heritage Distilling. It's pretty cool to see. What's in the headlines this week? Yeah. Well, uh, if you were hoping to go to a bar or a restaurant in Washington and engage in dwarf tossing, you may want to do that sooner than later. A uh, state senator from Spokane, uh, Senator Padden, has introduced a bill to ban dwarf tossing in bars and 
strip clubs across the state of Washington. Uh, he says it's an activity that demeans and exploits those of small stature. That is his quote. Uh, the bill was heard in committee this week, and uh, there's a high chance it'll get passed on to uh, get through the rest of the process in the Senate. Dwarf tossing originated in Australia as a pub promotion, and then it spread to America in the 1980s. Um, I know that uh, they also engage in uh, dwarf bowling in uh, Sturgis during the, the the motorcycle rally, and that's where folks pay uh, little people to let them throw them down the bowling aisle into a bunch of pins, so also kind of a demeaning activity. Here, with uh, the dwarf tossing, uh, and again, that's not my term, that's the term that they, they use, uh, the uh, folks wear specially padded clothing or Velcro costumes, and they're thrown onto mattresses or Velcro-covered targets, and then uh, contestants who throw them the farthest will win prizes. So um, this is a bill that uh, I didn't know that this activity took place in Washington, and it may soon be illegal. Yeah, I have no problem with that. It seems it's it's surprising to me that it is legal, and it, I absolutely agree with everybody who said that this seems reprehensible and demeaning, and I don't know why it needs to exist. So I'll be glad when that is officially not allowed. Well, there you go. We'll keep you posted. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <clears throat> next up from MSN, a study here that says tequila can help you lose weight. Now, I'm always a little... Uh, suspicious about these studies, but uh, uh, this says that a margarita a day keeps a doctor away. Not so much, but research presented at the American Chemical Society suggests that a little tequila might hypothetically keep extra pounds away. They say the sweeteners in tequila called agavins might actually be useful in losing weight. The study came from 2014, but then the idea of tequila uh, being added uh, as a secret weight loss, started making the rounds again. It's one of the only alcohols you can drink on the keto diet. The keto diet is uh, very popular nowadays. Uh, some people also think it's been credited with miracle powers, like lowering cholesterol or aiding in digestion. But the study presented to the American Chemical Society suggested the spirit had the power to do even more. It's because tequila is made using the agave plant, and uh, the sugars act a little differently. And uh, they say that the agavins put a, a tremendous position of consumption by obese and diabetic people has a, uh, a slight reduction in their weight uh, gained or maintained, in other words, um, assisting in weight loss. So this doesn't mean that people should go out and start slamming shots of tequila, but look for more information to follow, as I'm sure there'll be additional studies coming. No, and, and uh, you wouldn't be able to use this by uh, having margaritas either, because then you're mixing in all the extra sugar. You'd, you'd have to sip on some tequila yeah. straight, but uh, <laughs> interesting study there. Yeah, I can imagine uh, sorority girls in college saying, you know, I'm, I'm on my diet. It's a, it's a keto diet. I've got to have my shots of tequila. So we will keep touch on this. <laughs> Last up, uh, interesting winery, new brand called Chateauneuf de Flat, spelled F-L-A-T. Uh, an online wine merchant is going to start delivering bottles that can fit through letter boxes so that you don't miss a delivery. Uh, the wines are traditional 750 mil bottles. Uh, they're made of plastic, not glass. They look kind of flat, and uh, they're designed to slide right into the slot or go into your mail delivery area uh, so that you don't miss the uh, delivery. 
Now, this is in the U.K., not the United States. The U.K. is much more open in terms of shipping, and uh, they can drop stuff off without getting signatures. Here in the States, if you try to ship wine or spirits, an adult signature is required. They cannot just leave the package behind. So if anybody's going over to the U.K. and they get a hold of one of these Chateauneuf de Flat, uh, literally flat wine bottles made of plastic, please uh, get us a sample. Yeah, yes, please. Post a picture. I would like to. I would like to see. I love how there's just there's so many innovations to make wine more and more portable and more and more accessible. <laughs> there are a lot of winos out there, and I'm I'm happy because I'm one of them. Me too. There you go. It's a common question that plenty of lovers of wine and spirits have had in the past. How do you know if an open bottle of alcohol has gone bad? We'll tell you next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks again for joining us today on this fine Saturday. Now, it is a common question that lovers of beer, wine, and spirits might have. How do you know if an open bottle of alcohol has gone bad? Well, yeah, it's, it's an issue I think many of us have dealt with, uh, especially if last minute you're wanting to host a party and you didn't get to the store and, and uh, all you've got is some old bottles of uh, spirits. Less of an issue with wine because we know that uh, wine is designed to be consumed in relative uh, proximity of time to when it was opened. Uh, some of the new devices, like the Coravin, allows you to literally put the needle in the bottle and with pressure pour an entire glass or take a sample out without disrupting the rest of the wine and that gas will fill up the rest of the wine bottle and not allow the wine to oxidize. That's great for wine. For spirits though, it's another it's another world for all of us. Um, uh, Mara or Lydia, have you ever gone to your parents' house or grandparents' house and found that old bottle of gin from 1965 sitting under the, <laughs> under the sink? Yeah, I'm, well my parents are pretty decent drinkers and they host a lot of parties so I think they they speed through a decent amount uh, because they're sharing it often. But I would say as someone who lives by myself, this is a common question I encounter because I will have a bottle of alcohol for a long period of time. I don't live with anyone at the moment. So um, yeah, I I've definitely had this problem where I've either had something that I don't think is appropriate to continue drinking or, or I've had the question about it for sure. Maura has had also the personal experience of working in the restaurant bar industry and maybe seeing this. Yes, I've definitely opened a rather nice bottle of wine for someone and had it be corked. And then you feel feel really bad because it has to go to waste at that point. Obviously, yeah. you just have to count that off as a loss, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the world of spirits, uh, we should break down the discussion into the types of spirits we're talking about. So let's just talk first about some of the basic spirits like uh, whiskey, gin, vodka, bourbon, and so on. If those are just the traditional unflavored products, first and foremost, you want to keep them out of the sunlight and you want to keep them in a moderate room temperature. Don't let them get hot. This is difficult if you have a stash of booze at your family cabin and it gets to you know 90 or 100 degrees all summer and you don't have air, air conditioning. So just be mindful of where you store store the alcohol. Uh, typically what will happen is uh, when you open the bottle, and let's say after a while half the bottle's consumed, you've got that gap of air in the middle of the bottle and you put the cork back on or screw the, tube, the, the top back on. The alcohol molecules are lighter than the water and they will evaporate first. So you may have some of the alcohol 
leaving the liquid phase and entering to fill that void. So when you finally do open up the bottle, uh, you may have seen some of the alcohol content be diminished. But for most of us, it's not typically measurable by by taste. It would be a very small percentage of the alcohol. Now, if we flip to liqueurs, uh, liqueurs have a high amount of sugar, uh, especially if you have a, a, a cream-based liqueur. Certain times of the year, those are very popular. Those might last you six to eight, maybe nine months after they're open. Uh, the higher the sugar content, and especially with the cream, if it's a cream that is shelf-stable, meaning you do not have to refrigerate it, then you would uh, be able to have it last for those many months. But it will begin to go bad, and it will begin to produce off flavors and, and different off textures. So when you drink it, it may feel not correct in your mouth, on your palate. So uh, that's one of them that we really focus on is those uh, creams and liqueurs. The other one is going to be anything with a high sugar content or an artificial sugar, uh, like a lot of the mass-produced flavored vodkas that are on the market. Uh, Anything with a sugar content, uh, you may get up to 18 months of shelf life. But again, how you store it and how you're going to end up using that product dictates whether or not it's going to meet your taste test when you you reopen it a few months later. And some of those liqueurs you mentioned, too, you can sort of use the eye test on them, whether there's been changes to the physical product and the coloring and the separation and... As you mentioned, the flavor test. That's right. It doesn't really go bad. They just have a different flavor compared to what you would expect for that product. It's not like wine turning into vinegar. It's not like beer that will really go flat and go bad. One of them you want to keep an eye on is vermouth. Uh, It's a low-alcohol spirit that's designed for adding to cocktails, like to uh, maybe your old-fashioned or Manhattan, or you might want to add dry vermouth to a martini if that's the way you like your martini. The flavor and body can change uh, pretty dramatically because the amount of alcohol is so low. The lower the alcohol you have in your product, uh, the more susceptible it is to going bad or having uh, more aggressive off flavors the longer you have the bottle be not completed, not completely consumed. And this says that you may not notice the taste, but at worst case, you'll experience a very intense hangover the next day. And I'm like, well, that's no thank you. That's a bad worst case. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Yeah. In in some cases, especially if it's a very high uh, Mm sugar-based flavored item or liqueur. Uh, the rule around our house is uh, why would you tempt fate and leave the bottle partially uh, full? Just finish the bottle and then, you know, <laughs> next time you want to have you a go. Exactly. Uh, party, open a fresh bottle for your guests. <laughs> I like that. So how long, Justin, would you recommend keeping a bottle after it's been opened? Uh, well, for what kind of product? Let's say, because I think everybody kind of, it, wine, people have a general sense. Mm-hmm. But let's say for like hard alcohol. For hard alcohol, like a whiskey or vodka. Sure, yeah. You know, we would maybe... Eight or nine months max for like a whiskey or vodka, regular one. That's my personal uh, belief. And, you know, we don't have bottles that stay around that long at our house, but we are (laughs) uh, the outlier when it comes to that. Just because we're doing so much experimentation and product development. Yeah, I would say, honestly, for red wine, I think you start noticing a change in taste unless you have something... To, there are things you can use to help seal it. I think you start noticing a change in taste within a few days. You, I would think you oh, really should drink less. those quicker. Yeah. 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 And then white wine like wife, is a little better because you have it in the refrigerator. Yeah. My wife, when we go to the restaurant, she might want to order just a glass of red wine. And uh, she will always ask the bartender, when was that bottle opened? If it was open yesterday, will you open another bottle? Because uh, I want you know the fresh flavor as opposed to a day old. She can taste the difference in just one day. What was your maybe one of your horror stories or your worst experiences on on something that you maybe shouldn't have drank but you did? 
Well, I joked at the beginning of the segment about, you know, Grandpa's uh, bottle of gin from 1965. Now, uh, I was at a friend's house. This was probably 15 years ago, and uh, they pulled out a box from their closet of booze that they had gotten when they helped clean out their grandma and grandpa's house the month prior. And it was old school liquor bottles from the 50s and 60s, oh, wow. of which the gin bottle was half full. Uh, so we proceeded to make gin and tonics and uh, a couple of things. It didn't taste very good. And the next day we had a wicked hangover. So oh, hey. <laughs> everything we've talked about so is you true. You can confirm that report. <laughs> yes, the really worst case yes. scenario. Yes. Well, we'll make Just sure. Just don't do it. Yeah, just don't do it. Just keep the bottles because they're probably nice if you're going through your uncle's closet, but don't have the actual cocktail. Stick to that guideline that you set out, Justin. I think that's great. Nine, nine, ten months area. Max. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, if you don't have plans this Valentine's Day, make sure you stay tuned. Up next, we have Julie Tall of Capital Cider. They have a fun game night plan for the singles and a little something for the couples as well. We'll learn more about Capital Cider and that event next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Right now, we are joined by the owner of Capital Cider, Julie Tall. Julie, how are you? I'm great. Happy to be here. Uh, we're happy to have you. And one of the reasons we really wanted to chat with you today, besides loving Capital Cider and everything you guys are about, is that you have a pretty cool Valentine's Day event, a pretty unique Valentine's Day event coming up. Yes, we do. It's uh, downstairs in the Dallas Bar. We're having our concert Cupid anti-Valentine's Day party. We had it last year. It was very successful, and so we're, we're repeating. So last year was the inaugural year. What was the idea behind it? Um, we just wanted to have a place where people just could come back on a Valentine's Day and not worry about whether they had a partner or a loved one. We're all about acceptance and fun. So uh, we had a Cards Against Humanity um, series of games. So we come downstairs with your friends and play or join another group. We've got a great host, um, Stephanie Ann, who is going to help people meet each other, Stephanie Ann Johnson. And uh, But the highlight of the night is something called the mailbox game. Maybe some people played it in grade school. But when you come down the stairs, you'll get a number that you'll wear. And then throughout the evening, um, you can send anyone else in the room a note, either anonymously or um, with your number identified, and then indicate whether you'd like it to be read out loud or um, delivered um, for the person to read it themselves. And you put their notes in the mailbox game, and then the host um, delivers them or reads them out loud. And there's a lot of uh, hilarity. And um, <laughs> it gets a little more so towards the end of the night, but it's just that you can give someone a Christmas or anything that you like. It, it's really fun. Uh, my favorite part was uh, when a young person described it as Tinder, but in person. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's kind of the adult version of, you know, back in school you would have, I know we did Valentine's Day and you would have the big envelope and yeah. people would stick them in. But this is sort of just the uh, fun nighttime adult version. I like that. Exactly. And we are having a craft table downstairs as well. So if you want to actually make someone a Valentine and have it delivered, you can do that as well. It's like you're reading my mind. This is amazing. <laughs> Well, this is this is one of many great events that you guys put on uh, at Capital Cider. Julie, we know Capital Cider is the largest independent cider bar in the country. What is that like? Well, it's fabulous. We have over 200 ciders and bottles and on tap uh, from all around the world, across the country, and then, of course, locally, because we have fabulous local cider makers. Yeah. And we also have a wonderful gluten-free and peanut-free kitchen, and downstairs in the Bowles Bar, we do free arts programming. 
and we're all about building community and having fun. Yeah, it sounds like that. And I mean, you mentioned a lot of the local local people or the local uh, ciders that you feature. What's it been like to work with some of those smaller independent ciders? Fantastic. We we have um, you know some very well established cideries that families that are orchard based and make their own ciders, and they have up and coming sort of more modern cider makers that are tiny that are buying apples or buying juice and start up making cider in their garage and hit a good product. And so it's just, it's just delightful. It's a wonderful, uh, pretty tight-knit community of people. Absolutely. And in, I know in the past on our show, when we've talked about that, a very rewarding part of the experience working with other small businesses, you also have a great menu uh, over at Capital Cider, and it's gluten-free, which is a nece- yes. necessity for a lot of people this day and age. Why was that important to you? Um, it was important for two reasons. First, when cider was just starting to take off, some people were switching from beer to cider because of because cider was gluten-free. And then um, I've been gluten-free for about 25 years. I had a health issue that cleared up as soon as I took gluten out of my diet. So oh. sort of before it was a fad, it was a necessity. And it's hard to eat out. And so um, we just decided why not? Let's just have a gluten-free kitchen. And when we first opened, we actually didn't even really share that with people because it wasn't talked about as much and it was confusing. And then after a few years, when it was becoming more popular, we started really promoting that aspect of the restaurant. I know it's probably really difficult to choose, but do you have a favorite menu item that's like your go-to favorite? Oh, of course, you could ask anyone that works for me and <laughs> tell you what I order every day. Yeah, I love the vegan kale Caesar, uh, but I usually put a fried chicken thigh on top of it, oh. which isn't vegan, but it's just a great combo. Oh, it um, sounds and delicious. And are fabulous for brunch. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, and brunch always gets me, too. You serve brunch every day? Yes, every day, 10 to 3. Oh, that's the best. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Other than the great Valentine's Day events that you have coming up, there, there's also tons of other great things you guys have planned. I hear there's something in the works for the Oscars, right? Yes, we'll have an Oscars viewing party. We roll out the red carpet and we'll have a photo booth and themed drink specials. And you know, we've got a large screen downstairs that pulls down over the stage and we'll have a nice viewing party. Are people going to get full on ball gown dressed up for this or what's the attire like? As always with Capital Cider, you can come any way that you want. If you want to wear a ball gown, go for it. And if you're rolling after a day of cross-country skiing, that's fine, too. <laughs> I like that. Again, it goes along with that theme of acceptance and creating community there, which I really like. Is there anyone that you're pulling for in this year's Oscars? Are you? Do you have people uh, fill out guesses or ballots beforehand? Um, yes, yes, we will do that. I personally, um, I think because I might work too much, I haven't very many of the movies. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So I'll probably spend the next year trying to catch up. I feel like that every single yeah. year. I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if it's just that I have bad taste and I'm watching like just <laughs> the popular movies out or if it's that I might be busy with work. I like to believe it's the latter, <laughs> but who I knows? So. And you also have uh, some pretty cool music things going on at Capital Cider. We do. Our signature um, event is our Monday night jazz jam session, which is every Monday starts at 9.30 and goes till close. And it's fabulous. The house band plays an opening set and then local musicians get up and rotate. We just keep rotating through musicians and it's fabulous. A really eclectic crowd, um, a bunch of regulars, but people from all ages, all walks of life. It's really, really fun. And then we're starting the Pacific Music Works 
is bringing their underground concert series to Capital Cider. The first concert's going to be this coming Tuesday. We're really excited about that. And for someone who's never been or experienced Pacific Music Works, what, what is that like? I also have not experienced it. I just know about it. It's classical music. There's a slideshow going on behind. And then uh, apparently there's some like fun facts about music, sort of a music history. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even call it a lecture, but it's also supposed to be kind of hilarious. So there's, uh, it's very lighthearted, excellent music, and very entertaining. That's amazing. Well, Julie, we so appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to chat with us today and to tell us about a lot of the great events you've got coming up, in in particular the Valentine's Day event. I've just never heard of anything like that. So we'll make sure that people get out to Capital Cider to check it out. Where can people find more information if they are curious? Online, CapitalCider.com. Yeah, because we'll have regular dinner service. We've got three specials that night, a crispy pork belly, Dungeness crab cakes, and pink velvet cupcakes with Swiss meringue filling. So if you do have a sweetie and you want to grab somebody, there's a full dinner service upstairs. Perfect. And yeah, you don't have to limit yourself, right? You can go upstairs and downstairs as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> Good idea. Julie, thank you so much, and uh, happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. Coming up next on Cast Club Radio, there were a lot of beer, wine, and spirits ads involved in the Super Bowl. We'll discuss, and we'll give you a cocktail recipe. That's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. We've got a great cocktail recipe coming up for you. But first, Maura was at the Super Bowl this week. And whether you were as lucky as her getting to be there in person attending it or you were just watching at home like the rest of us, you probably caught some of the Super Bowl commercials. It's such a huge part of the culture, notably uh, the beer, wine and spirits commercials, usually a huge part of that. And Justin, there's kind of an interesting story to emerge out of this, a controversial one. Yeah, the controversy comes from uh, our friends at Anheuser-Busch. They came up with, when I first watched the ad, I thought it was a clever and devastating attack on both Miller Lite and Coors Light because they created this uh, idea of attacking them for using corn syrup. This follows on with uh, their Bud Light, the Bud Knight theme and the whole dilly-dilly thing they've created throughout the, the course of the year. So I thought it was pretty interesting because what it what it meant, first off, was that Bud Light, for the first time in several years, was not attacking craft beer. If you remember back the last several years, they've been uh, attacking craft beer, the craft beer culture, craft beer ideology, to the uh, consternation of small and regional craft breweries. So this year, they ignored the craft breweries, and they decided we're going to attack Miller and Coors and go after market share by accusing them of using corn syrup in mm-hmm. their mix. And, well, as soon as that happened, the Corn Growers of America, the National Corn Growers Association, came out and just obliterated Bud Light for attacking Uh-oh. their industry, attacking the product, and asking them why they're abandoning farmers in this time, which is kind of rough for corn farmers because corn prices are down. And so it it forced Bud Light to take a step back immediately and uh, apologize. And we will not see the end of this debate. <laughs> Yeah, just just an amazing debate. I mean, a, a brand and, uh, a brand that's such like a standard in America, such a blue collar, it every like, man's beer. Yeah. Exactly, it seems like a crowd that you, the farmers are not people that you want not want to alienate. Exactly, yeah. No, it's, a couple farmers went on social media immediately and opened up all the Bud Light in their home and poured it down in the sink and put oh, it on wow. video and said, "If you don't stand with me as a corn farmer, I don't stand with you, Budweiser." 
Well, it's an interesting tactic because you mentioned their previous one of kind of going after small craft breweries. And I, I know, what was it, that they had bre- they were brewed for many, not brewed for the yeah. few, um, which yeah. is kind of an interesting tactic as well to go after small businesses or small operations. And now this is an interesting tactic because you are technically going after your big market share, your big competitor, but you're doing it in a way that is almost attacking a different industry or a different group of people. I thought it was very funny when I first saw it. I mean, it was really well crafted, yeah, excellently drafted. Really, it it just hit Coors Light and Miller Light between the eyes in a way that just was. We all sat in the living room going, "Holy cow! Did Bud Light just do that on national TV?" And it turns out that wasn't the only one. Budweiser, Anheuser Busch ran six minutes and twenty five seconds of commercials. An estimated thirty four million dollars of commercials wow. during the game. That doesn't count Jim Nance's multiple mentions of the Bud Light blimp getting the images <laughs> yeah. and videos. That probably was an additional fee. Uh, so uh, they ran through everything from Budweiser to Bud Light to Michelob, Stella, and then their new Bon and Viv spiked seltzer. I don't know if you saw that ad, but that was the one with yeah. the mermaids yeah. underwater. That was a little weird to me, honestly. I, I It was weird. It was weird. I thought... Towards the end, when they wrapped it up with them, they were pitching to the sharks, like Shark Tank. Yep. I, 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 I sort of redeemed it for me, but for the most part, I thought it was weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Yeah. I did enjoy though. Uh, what is it? Pepsi's new bubbly water with Buble. With uh, Buble, yeah. I thought that was one of the yep. more clever Michael, beverage yeah. commercials that I saw <laughs> that that evening. They're going directly after LaCroix, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The, the the bubble water from Pepsi. That's their target market is all of LaCroix's area. Yeah, which seems to be a huge market. Well, we mentioned we've talked about non, non-alcoholic sparkling drinks lately and also <laughs> alcoholic sparkling drinks. Both these industries seem to be on the rise. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this off then, the air, but one of the other big ones that we thought pretty fun commercial was Stella Artois. Oh, yes. I thought this was brilliant. Yeah. To use characters, fictional characters that have had uh, a very signature drink in their past or they've been tied to one signature drink with their brand, whether it was uh, the dude from Big Lebowski and his White Russians or Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City and her Cosmopolitans. Or as more mentioned earlier off the air, uh, the Dos Equis guy makes a quick appearance, <laughs> but uh, to tie them to a new product, to tie them to Stella Artois, I thought that was pretty brilliant. Well, I was just glad to see the dude kept his amazing sweater yeah. Uh, yeah because he wore that sweater <laughs> in the ad uh <laughs> he's still looking pretty good too yeah like yeah yeah well you know it's because the dude abides the dude abides <laughs> um, exactly yeah all right and then what'd you guys think of that game of throne ads with bud light as an extreme game of throne fan i was a little disappointed i thought it deserved its own ad and commercials yeah. kind of upset that it even invaded Tied a, in with a dilly beer dilly. commercial i was like no 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 these don't belong together okay but do we think the Bud Knight is really dead forever, or is he going to make a comeback and ads on <laughs> right? TV? Well, in Game of Thrones, right? the characters Maybe sometimes he'll be a White death is is not death exactly, right? <laughs> we could see we could see well, more of the night. If the Bud Knight came back as a White Walker, I think the craft brew guys would have a heyday with that. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big beer is coming. <laughs> well, in the meantime, till we await the fate of the Bud Light Knight. We've got a great new cocktail recipe for you. Justin, uh, what is on this week's cocktail recipe? Let's this one is in honor of the upcoming event we call Valentine's Day and what Lydia calls Pitchers and Catchers Report Day, Woo! which is coinciding yes! on uh, 
February 14th. It is Lydia's official uh, second most favorite holiday behind uh, Christmas. <laughs> yep. So uh, for this one, we call this the BSB Mine. It requires one and a half ounces of BSB brown sugar bourbon, a half ounce of vanilla simple syrup, which you can get at the, any good uh, liquor store or uh retailer, or you can make your own by mixing simple syrup with some uh, vanilla extract. It requires one ounce of lemon juice and some aromatic cocktail bitters. Put all the ingredients in a shaker with ice, so that's going to be an ounce and a half of BSB, half ounce of vanilla simple syrup, an ounce of fresh lemon juice, and two dashes of the bitters. Shake it together, and then uh, serve it up in a glass, uh, in a fresh glass with a twist of lemon. And give it to your uh, loved one or your date, or uh, if you're the pitcher, give it to the catcher and uh, say, ask him to BSB mine. Yes. And actually, Pitchers and Catchers Report date falls on the 11th this year for the Mariners. So it's actually a little earlier than normal, but, you know, normally on the 14th. And of course, that being the bigger and more important holiday, <laughs> Valentine's Day, taking a back seat there. <laughs> There you go. Whatever holiday you celebrate, you can check out this recipe for your occasion at heritagedistilling.com. They're always available there. Also, we'll have uh, links to the stories uh, if you are interested in finding out more information. And you can download podcasts there, whether it's this episode, past episodes of Cast Club Radio. Yes, and we're on the air on Cairo FM in Seattle and on ESPN AM in Seattle. We're also on the air on AM and FM in Spokane and Eastern Washington. And uh, we just ask you to like us on Facebook, rate us on iTunes. And if you've got questions about cocktails or spirits, hit us up at heritagedistilling.com and uh, we'll be happy to share what we know with you. Great. Well, uh, have an amazing weekend, everybody, and we will see you back here next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling.